Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome back to God's Planning. I'm Father Patrick Briscoe, and I'm here joined today by Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. You shouldn't bang on your desk. It's very loud well, when you do that. It's kind of a cool drum roll, you know, that's what I was going for. Mm-mm. No, all right. Maybe Didn't we won't happen. do that. In the, maybe we won't do that in the future. <laughs> we'll let the people who we pay to do our sound effects to do the sound effects from now on. The, the sound effects are pretty low budget. <laughs> God's planning. Um, so, Father Jacob Bertrand, you know we're we're here. We're doing the regular Thursday episode. Um, you know, one of our traditions is that we sort of catch up. So, you know, how's your quarantine? What have you been up to? Well, it's been pretty much the same as it's been for the last six weeks now. I guess, yeah, Thursday, we started our self-imposed quarantine uh, six weeks ago, which is crazy to think, wow. a month and a half. Yeah, because wow. a few days before everything came down in D.C., um, we, we began to take precautions. And, uh, yeah, it's been – it's in one sense, it's kind of gone by quickly because every day there has been – as, as for everybody, every day there's new news and crazy news and, and this and that. So every day is a new adventure, at least in like that, that kind of, um, that kind of world. But otherwise it's been, we've been pretty, pretty standard. I think I've like gone off the property like three or four times in the last six weeks, but for like going out for a jog or a run. So we've been pretty buckled down, but here we have, I mean, we have just like you at Providence college at the Priory there, we have, we have older friars too in the community, so the risk is particularly high if if we were to get sick. And as um, you know, as as our listeners may not know, Dominican life or religious life, it's kind of in a sense like things run through the community, the colds and sicknesses. I don't know, oh. kind of like a dorm. You know, one person gets sick, and the next week oh, everybody yeah. does. So it's um, we've been yeah. So things have been fine, but nothing really new or exciting. Just kind of now that we're past Easter, the the brothers here are getting I think they have this week and next week of classes and then final exams so they're uh they're kind of in like deer in the headlights you know working on papers studying for exams that kind of thing but sure. life carries on yeah. you haven't taken up, up any new uh what have I done um well I've been really attentive to getting in a daily walk um because I just found myself I was not doing that and that was a really bad habit so now I'm back to walking around campus uh I have to say, um, it's so bizarre being around campus in the spring, seeing all the flowers and all the signs of, of spring life and not having students. Yeah. It's like, it's like a walking through a ghost town. You know, I expect to see tumbleweeds sort of roll, <laughs> rolling by in the dust every time I'm out. Yeah. But, well, yesterday I was on a, I was on a run down on the national mall and it is just, it was it was like ghost town eerie. I mean, it was a weekday in the afternoon, so it's usually not packed. But this time of year, as you remember from living here, where oh, I mean, bus trips. cherry blossoms, yeah. but bus it's school trip, you can barely move. Students. I mean, there were just joggers and people, walk, you know, people walking, but it was, it was empty. It was strange. It was wow. strange. Yeah. Have you taken up any new hobbies? No. <laughs> no, no knitting, you know? So no knitting. I was sort of no. hoping maybe you could crochet a new stole for me or something. Nope. No, sorry. All right. No. Well, yeah, I'm useless maybe, in that department. So maybe I'll maybe I'll check back in on that. All right. Father James and I have picked up our routine of daily tea again. 
So oh, we how have, bougie. <laughs> we have quarantine tea. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> we nice. do we do that a lot. Uh, we do that with some frequency following the the daily mass over at the parish. So. Oh, nice. Well, if you're looking for a mass, you know, tune in, tune in to St. Pius. We have mass every day. And on Saturdays, this is the big new thing that I've been doing is that um, I have been streaming the Dominican Rite Mass. So I'm now practiced enough in that so as to not completely humiliate myself. Uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll tune in and I'll just make comments about everything that you mess up on. on, on yeah, the live that's right. Stream. In, the, in the chat on YouTube. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Just everyone is trying mass. to everyone's trying to pray the mass would love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it might get some more views. <laughs> It'd be very entertaining. There you go. Your mom would tune in for that, I think. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, we've sort of wandered a long way now from what, what would be our topic today. So I should introduce the topic. Today we want we wanted to reflect on um the church and on climate justice. Uh, one Thing that has been an interesting consequence, um, I dare not say silver lining yet, but one thing that's been an interesting consequence about the COVID quarantine and so much of um, so much of the country slowing down is that there have been signs of uh, environmental healing and growth, right? So the air quality indexes are having you know much higher ratings. I've read one report that was saying there's something like 50% less pollution in New York City right now. Um, I saw. Yeah. I don't know how you measure that, but I'm sure. I mean, like nobody's going do. out, so I right, don't measure know. it. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a uh, a beautiful um, a beautiful photo essay that I saw about all of the wildlife in Yellowstone right now because there's a, there's no tourists, and yeah. so they just have total free range of the parks. Um, well, I think I saw this photo too from South Africa. I could be wrong of these lion, this lion pride, just like lying in the road, you know, like napping in the road somewhere in South Africa. I think in one of the parks, wow. but on like this paved road, just like, I mean, pretty cool to see something that you wouldn't ever see otherwise, but for like humans being kind of sucked out of the picture. The last like, um, you know, vivid marker for me was photos of the canals in Venice. Right. And right. Right now, the canals are like crystal clear. You know, they're usually full of pollution, but... I think they've had dolphins back in the canals for the first yes. time in like centuries yep. or something like that. So Crazy. there are, you know, there, there are all kinds of signs of, um, of a kind of momentary healing. You know, I'm not, I'm not a scientist and I'm, I, I don't pretend that this is going to have any kind of long-lasting effect. I don't think that would be possible, right? How could we offset years of, uh, years of harm? To the environment in like a couple of weeks, but but there are you know there are, there are signs of certain good things, and you know so so that might have put in some of our listeners' minds um, some questions about the church and the environment um, because you know like I said there there have been so many interesting reports lately, um, so that would be one one reason why we wanted to jump into today's episode. So we did an episode some time ago now on Catholic social teaching which might be, of, might be of interest to a lot of our listeners if we go back to that episode. But Father Jacob Bertrand, why don't you uh, kick us off with just a little bit about um, Catholic social teaching as a context for the question of climate justice? Yeah, I think, I think um, I don't remember. I remember doing the episode, and I know I was on that previous one. I don't remember if it was with you, Father Patrick. I think it was, or it might have been somebody else on that, on that episode. But um, so as not to beat a dead horse, I won't, you know, we won't spend a ton of time on it, but I think one of my kind of pet peeves with um, 
the sort of social justice, uh, particularly when we're talking about things from a Catholic standpoint, is, is a terminology one. And perhaps it's playing a bit of semantics, but I think it's important because words have meanings. We can't sort of dive into like the nominalist soup and just say that we can assign meaning to every word. I mean, words indicate realities and point to realities. So it's important what we call things um, because they signal to us the reality that they are. Um, so, but what I'm getting at here is often we hear the, the phrase, and it's been popularized, Catholic social justice, um, which I don't really like. I prefer Catholic social teaching um, as a sort of an umbrella term for how the, how the church and how church teaching and Christian thought kind of influences our, our societal living. Um, and the reason for that is that, um, so there are many things in, in the realm of the social teaching of the church that pertain to justice, the matter of rendering another his due, the relationships that we share in society. But I think the term justice is very charged, or the term social justice is particularly charged. And I also think it's limited, limiting. Um, charged in that we're, we're used to hearing social justice, perhaps in the sort of turn of phrase of like so, social justice warrior or these sort of very kind of secular, politically charged, um, I guess, terms. And when we're talking about the, the church's teaching on things, it's never about politics and it's never about sort of traditionals versus liberals or these sorts of, you know, we want to, we want to avoid that. What we want to get at is, is at the truth and at the heart of the matter. So I think it's, it's not always helpful to use you know, sort of secular, liberal, conservative, these sorts of things, um, social justice warriors with respect to church teaching. Um, I think it's also limiting because uh, the church's social teaching is not limited to the realm of justice. Uh, really, the way in which we interact with, with each other is, is sort of governed by way of charity. Um, we're, all, we're, we're judged on, on, our, on our charity, on our, on our love for God and our love for neighbor. Um, so, though there are many things that pertain to justice, there, we don't want to be limited by a sort of secular phrase imposed on the church. Um, with that, with, the, with Catholic social teaching then, uh, to use that terminology, to stick to that terminology, uh, the church, it's, it's such a wide and huge kind of spectrum of, of things that the church talks about here. And most of it pertains to the more to morality and how we live and how we act. Um, but it, it really ranges from uh, ideas of sort of work and labor to um, sexuality to um, I'm trying to think of other the environmental kind of living technology relationships with, with our neighbors, like the whole um, immigration, all of these things fall under Catholic Catholic social teaching, and uh, one of them just happens to be climate or the environment, I, climate, whatever. I, I think the environment is better. Um, our living in it and our effect in it and how we treat it and, and uh, yeah, how we, how we uh, have good stewardship over, these, over this. Yeah, I certainly appreciate your desire for a broader category. Um, you know, that to, to say that the church's social teaching is fundamentally predicated on charity um, really, really brings that emphasis home. So I, I have a, I have a deep sympathy for what you're suggesting there that we should, we should prefer the term Catholic social teaching. Um, I've been doing some work in the life of St. Catherine of Siena lately. She's, mm. she's so, she's so relevant, right? So she, the year, the year that she was born is when the, the 14th century bubonic plague arrives in Sicily 
And by the time she turns one year old, 80% of the population of Siena has died from the plague. That's crazy. And that's an ast- that's an astonishing number, right? And so so that would have that that would have affected her whole world. Catherine is a patron of Italy, which is suffering right now so badly from COVID. Catherine is a patroness of nurses. Uh, she she's just extraordinary in so many ways. But she has a, a beautiful letter about loving tenderly um, that she wrote to another member of the Mantellata, um, this community of um, lay women in Siena to which she belongs. She has a beautiful letter that she wrote to um, one of one of the members uh, of the Mantellata, and it includes this quote. This is the way we ought to behave. If others aren't faithful to us, we ought to be faithful to them, faithfully seeking their salvation and loving them gratuitously and not as a debt. In other words, take care not to love your neighbor for your own profit, for that would not be responding to the love which God has for you. For as God has loved you gratuitously, so he wills that since you cannot love him in this way, you would do so toward your neighbors, loving them gratuitously and not as a debt. So the context for this in the life of St. Catherine is she's just spent years in a kind of solitude, an isolation where she's been um, cultivating a deep love for God, a very intimate relationship with the Lord that all of a sudden has spilled out into love for others, love for neighbor. And she's here emphasizing that both of these two principles, love for God and love for neighbor, these two great commandments, um, have to be engaged um, out of a, out of a, um, uh, with a sense, a strong sense of, uh, of the gratuitous nature behind them, that they, that there are categories that can't be empty, that, that love drives them. So I just wanted to connect, you know, Catherine, because yeah. I've been thinking about her to, to this. Yeah, there's this great line that um, Pope Benedict has in his encyclical Caritas and Veritate, which is from 2009, so 11 years old already, which is mm-hmm. kind of crazy, or almost 11 years old. I forgot. I don't know which month it was published, but it says this in the, uh, I think in the introduction, I think it's paragraph four, he says this, in the present social and cultural context where there is a widespread tendency to relativize truth, Practicing charity in truth helps people to understand that adhering to the values of Christianity is not merely useful, but essential for building a good society and for true integral human development. A Christianity of charity without truth would be more or less interchangeable with a pool of good sentiments, helpful for social cohesion, but of little relevance. Wow. I think that's that's particularly apt when we when we try to look at um, issues that are that the hot button issues that are that are facing our world or that we hear a lot about in our world and in the context of our society from a Christian Catholic point of view, and it's really I think that line in there um, is is really important. What what Benedict says um, that the truth and charity um, Christianity is not merely useful but essential for building a good society. So I think when we begin to talk about climate, or sorry, in the environment, climate's included, but the environment and our, our relationship to the environment, that we have to begin in this, in this proper um, understanding of, of creation, the proper hierarchy ordering of creation, so that we can actually respond to questions and needs properly. Otherwise, as, as Pope Benedict said, they're, they're, it's good for social cohesion. It's great that we can all agree that the, econo- that the environment needs to be cared for, 
that's great social cohesion. We can, you know, sort of sit around the campfire and all kind of cheer that on. Um, but it's of little relevance if we're not operating in the realm of, of, of truth and charity. Um, we can't, we can't actually do things well if we're not, if we're not functioning, if we're not functioning there. So I think that's, that's, I don't know, kind of sums up quickly mm. our, yeah. what, what we talked about in the last podcast on, on uh, Catholic social teaching, but it's fundamental to, we have to have this foundation to talk about the issues before um, we have to have that foundation before we can talk about the issues in order to talk about them with any sort of real meaning relevance. So right now we're going to take a short break. That was all of our beginning throat clearing preamble. Uh, and when we come back, we're really going to dive in on what do we have to say about our relationship with the environment? What does the church have to say? And what kinds of things can, can we be doing um, to, to nourish um, a, a, genuine, um, a genuine spirituality that, that, uh, that attends to the environment and prioritizes the roles of truth and charity in our lives? Um, so we'll be back in a moment. This is God's Planning. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast.org slash godsplaining. Welcome back to God's Planning. Um, we're diving in now into church teaching on um, the environment, especially on our relationship with the environment, right? Um, we have to say that the way that we're looking at things um, is going to be um, intimately connected to our nature and to how God has arranged, how God has arranged things. Um, so Father, why don't you take us into um, some, of the, some of the first steps? Why don't you lead us into this conversation? What, is, what does it mean to be a person, um, a human being, uh, to have been given a particular relationship with the rest of creation by God? Yeah, I, we, can, we, we can look back to the moment of creation or the moments of creation, um, back to, to Genesis, because this is, our, our relationship and our place in creation and the hierarchy of creation um, is is taught in these in the creation narrative in Genesis. So if you look at Genesis 1 26, um, when when man and woman are made, it says this, then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Um, it's, it's this word dominion uh that is that is important and that that is uh the hinge point of our relationship to creation when we look at uh the hierarchy within creation if we start at the very top of course there's god and then you have the the created but non-corporeal being so the angels the the spiritual realm and then you have man you know ensouled spiritual but bodily and then you have the animals and the physical world under that. But there's there's a, a hierarchy, and we fall in that in that middle sort of section. We have a rational soul, um, but we also have a body. Um, and the Lord gives us dominion over the earth. Now we could see, hear the word, or read the word, or think about the word dominion and think that well, dominion means that I'm going to sort of lay siege and sort of pillage and do whatever without consequence. Well, that's certainly never been the case when, when man has been given dominion or responsibility over something. So on the one hand, with respect to the environment, it's certainly ours to use and to cultivate. But that doesn't mean it's ours to abuse. Uh, so the, the, the created world, the animals, the, the resources, these sorts of things are ours. Um, they're given to us. Uh, but they're given to us with a sense of 
responsibility and, and stewardship because they are still a matter of creation. One thing that I think is really important here is that uh, the, when the catechism teaches us about, and I think John Paul II was speaking on this too, when they, when the, so the Holy Father of the Catechism talks about our responsibility over creation and uh, how, you know, we're not just saying don't like, don't kill trees. You know, that's, that's, okay. I mean, that's just like moralistic and stupid. Um, who cares, you know, but the reason for that is, well, one, we don't, we don't abuse creation. We don't abuse the environment. One, because it is a matter of God's creation, but also because it redounds to our dignity as masters over it. Uh, we're not slave masters, as it were, over the environment, but we're, we're stewards of it. And we're meant to use it prudently and wisely and care for it. Um, so it, it sort of betrays human dignity to sort of uh, misuse things. I mean, we can think of people who are, I don't know, um, who misuse all sorts of things. And it's kind of like, what do you like? It doesn't show forth the glory right. of our position in creation. As you were going through the hierarchy of creation, I could hear Father Fabian, the Dominican friar who taught me in St. Mary's as an undergrad, I could hear him listing off the hierarchy of creation. And this is more or less how Father sounded when he said it. At the bottom, we have plants. Nope, not plants, minerals at the very bottom. And minerals, then plants, animals human beings, souls of deceased human beings. They're not yet angels. They don't have the resurrected body. Angels and the Lord God Almighty. That's beautiful. So that, that's Father Fabian giving you the hierarchy. You can take that, you know, to prayer later today. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I think yeah. you will, probably. Probably going to spend a lot of time with that. Pope Francis, mm -hmm. in his encyclical, his 2015 encyclical, Laudato Si, comments on this text of Genesis that you were saying, and he, he, the Holy Father can sometimes summarize things so well um, and, and parse them. And he says, in Genesis, there are three fundamental relationships. There's, there's humanity's relationship with God, humanity's relationship with, the with our neighbor, and humanity's relationship with the earth itself, which is beautiful. I mean, it's a way of just kind of parsing that whole hierarchy, right? And saying, okay, there's God, there's humanity, there's the earth itself, right? Man's relationship with man being different from man's relationship with the animals and different from man's relationship with God. Right. And the, you know, the fact, the fact is that um, those relationships were ruptured and they're broken and we're living in the brokenness and of those ruptured relationships. And that's called sin. And that explains why the original harmony of Eden is no, is no longer there. You know, we have to ask like, is sometimes we can sometimes we can get caught up in trying to pursue exhaustive scientific evidence. Okay, well, what exactly is going on with climate change right now? Well, in a way, for a Christian, that's not that exciting of a question, right? Because we know it's already broken. Like, duh, you know, it's been broken. <laughs> Ancient and medieval peoples were causing species to be extinct, right? Like uh, the, the ancient Romans, for example, knew of, knew of a plant that um, render, rendered them sterile. So they, they used it as a contraceptive and, and made it extinct. Um, you know, there were certain species that were outhunted by ancient, ancient human beings. Like this. So we, we, know, we know there's a rupture. This is not news. And Christianity has, Christianity has an account, um, a theological yeah. anthropology, an account for why that is. Yeah, so the question I think remains then, like, what is... What is our moral responsibility uh, with regard to the environment and our relationship to it? And uh, you know, this 
this is where the crux hangs because when you look at sometimes you know you can look at whatever kind of news source or blogosphere or whatever uh and 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 listen to or even politicians politicians even some churchmen and think that you know that that the, the environment is the number one sort of social issue at hand in the world and that's 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 wrong that's false it's absolutely not um, and as Christians, we can recognize that it's absolutely not uh, because of that hierarchy that we just spoke of. And because we can recognize that our, our for, as, as what we were talking about before with matters of charity and justice, the first, those sort of first acts, those, those virtues lead us to union with God. That our first responsibility is, is not to sort of protecting the environment, but our responsibility to God, to worshiping God. And then if we move, you know, I'm summarizing very quickly, but if we move down the hierarchy, then our, our next responsibility is love of neighbor. It's not love of environment, love of God, love of neighbor in that order. It's love of God, love of neighbor. Um, so what are, you know, if we're talking about Catholic social teaching, where are the crimes against humanity? Um, we can talk about abortion. We can talk about sort of refugees. We can talk about starvation and poverty. Like these things, human beings have a higher precedence over the environment, over trees. And, if, and that's just simply the way creation is. Um, but at the same time, we, this is not, you know, the, the virtue is always the mean. We're never sort of falling into the Scylla and Charybdis, the either two pitfalls on, on either side. We don't want to do that. So we don't want to say God and people and never creation. Um, exactly. Catholic is a, yeah, is a both right. and position, right? So we have this hierarchy and this ordering in this understanding, this proper hierarchy and ordering actually allows us then to respond in truth and charity to the environment to, in a relevant way, as Pope Benedict said, um, we have to live in this truth of this hierarchy or we can't respond with any sort of um, anything but good sentiments or, or a hope for social cohesion. So to say that our there, there are higher responsibilities than a sort of environmental crisis um, doesn't mean that, that there aren't issues to be worked out with respect to the environment. But it certainly does mean that the sin of abortion is far greater than not recycling. Does that mean we shouldn't recycle? No, we should recycle. Like, you know, fine. But is it a mortal sin not to recycle? No, it's not. I mean, you could do things viciously, fine, fine. Well, you know, all, but it's not an objective moral evil not to recycle. There are objective moral evils on this hierarchy that are that are other. Um, so I don't want to give the sort of impression that I'm saying, eh, you know, burn every fossil fuel, everybody drive a Hummer and, you know, burn 40 <laughs> gallons of gas every day. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that we have to have the proper understanding of the ordering of things in here so as to respond um, to all of them in charity and in truth. In Laudato Si, the Holy Father gives a, just a few of responses that I would like to highlight that could be a quick part of our answer. So what, you know, we say, well, what do I do for the environment? And the first thing right. that Pope Francis recommends actually is to pray the grace before meals because that respects the hierarchy that we've been talking about because to, to thank God for what he has made um, is, the, is, the, is the way that we cultivate um, an attitude of dependence on him and recognizes again uh, the, the 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 order of creation and and our most important relationship, which is our relationship with God. Uh, so make sure that make sure that we're saying a prayer before meals and that that it's heartfelt that you know that we're being truly grateful for what God has made. You know, food doesn't come from factories; it comes from the earth. Uh, there there has to be some, some food. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's bad, true. <laughs> 
except, except things that are just, you know, processed soybean oil or whatever else. Um, but food, food comes from the earth and we, we should be grateful and, and think about that seriously as we, as we say our prayer before meals. Um, you know, otherwise we should, otherwise we should take seriously, um, you know, as a, as a call to care for the environment, um, the call to love our neighbor. That's another reason why I mentioned that beautiful quote from Catherine of Siena and that that has to come from really our sharing in God's gratuitous love. And then thirdly, like you said, to take, to take seriously the charge, um, not to be wasteful. You know, we, we have, no, we have no business going through life, um, throwing things out and using more than we need and, you know, being, being, being unattentive. Um, not, not because we want to be stingy or frugal, but because we, we as Christians really ought not to be a people that, that reduces creation to a kind of uh, thing that can just be tossed away. Right. I think here, the really, the really, a really important virtue to cultivate, and this may seem strange at first, but I think, you know, it's true is, is that of humility because humility mm -hmm. through the virtue of humility, we recognize our place in creation. We're not, we're not God. We're not creator. Um, this is not ours to sort of waste and domineer and throw away as if none of it mattered. You know, just this, this culture of, of um, what's the phrase that, that's often used? The uh, Entitlement or exploitation. Yeah. Um, and, and we can't... We can't Throwaway culture. Yeah, the throwaway culture. That's what I was thinking of. You know, this, this attitude of throwaway culture as if we're lord of it all. That, yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, we're... Well, we're given a sort of privileged position over it, but not one to... Not one that we... Uh, that we can just toss things away. And with the, with the virtue of humility, it also, and this is as Father, Father Patrick mentioned, you know, a couple of, that may seem like, you know, at first, like a couple silly things. He mentioned the prayer before grace, before we started to record, I was kind of like, that's weird. But there is truth, there is truth in that, right? Because it recognizes one, our, our role in creation, but also that the responsibility for good stewardship over, over the environment falls to the individual. Uh, to its its individual responsibility. It's not our sort of yelling at various groups of people in the world, trying to get them to do something that we want them to do because they're the only people to blame. Uh, the, the sort of revolution of change in these sort of things is always grassroots. It's always, you know, what do we do in our own lives? It's very easy to sit and point and say, well, these, these sorts of companies are doing X, Y, and Z, or these types of people in these areas in the world are doing and this may be true, and there may need to be real change, but we also have to be true, you know, um, actors in that change. And it sounds, it's kind of hokey, but like do our part, you know? So uh, that, that, that all, that all, um, it makes a difference, perhaps not a perceptible difference in the sort of like output of, of, um, of whatever sort of stuff into the environment of fossil, burning fossil fuels. It, who knows, uh, you know, you can't really measure, I guess, what one person does because of such a grand scale of pollution or this or that, but it is still our individual responsibility to participate in this sort of uh, good stewardship of, of the earth. I'd like to leave, as we conclude this episode, I want to leave you with my favorite quote from Laudato Si, which is very much in the same vein of um, where, you've, where you've taken the conversation, Father. So I think you'll love this as we conclude here. And I quote, St. Therese of Lisieux invites us to practice the little way of love, not to miss out on a kind word, a smile, or any small gesture which shows peace and friendship. An integral ecology 
is also made up of simple daily gestures, which break the logic of violence, exploitation, and selfishness. In the end, a world of exacerbated consumption is at the same time a world which mistreats life in all its forms. Thanks for tuning in to God's Planning. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, you know, please um, rate us. Uh, please share the episodes. As we've been saying, you know, you can now look at the faces we make at each other when we record. If you're into that kind of thing, you can uh, follow us on the YouTubes. The tubes are open. You know, they're not clogged right now. The tubes are open, so you can tube away um and uh watch an episode you can see the face for example that father jacob bertrand is making right now um that'll that'll make your day um please know uh, especially as the covid crisis continues please know of our uh, particular prayers for you our listeners um please remember um please remember us in your prayers praying especially for the health of the older friars in our dominican communities god bless you Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.